Hello friends, welcome to the next episode of the After Hours Lounge. Now sometimes I kind of do these intros and sometimes I don't, um, but I thought I'd give one for this episode. Uh, this week I'm joined by my good friend Ewan Syme. Uh, me and Ewan worked together um, for a few years uh, up, in, up in Scotland, where I'm from. Um, we worked together in the Leisure Centre. Great fun working at the John Nike Leisure Centre. Um, so yeah, we kind of touched on that, but... The main reason that I wanted to, to kind of do this intro um, was because in this episode we do touch on a few uh, quite sort of serious subjects. Um, the reason Ewan actually came onto the podcast um, was one of his his friends uh, and rugby teammates um, took his own life last December. Um, so there's quite a lot of, you know, kind of chatting about that um, sort of later on in the podcast. Among other things, obviously, we don't chat for an hour and a half just about that. Um, we talked about all sorts of, um, you know, funny things, rugby, Star Wars. Um, but we do talk about some fairly fairly serious subjects um, around kind of suicide and things like that. So if you are sensitive to stuff like that, please just do be um, be aware of it. But as I've always said, the idea of this podcast is to open up a conversation about these things and hopefully um, prevent other people um, doing doing that in the future. Um, so if you guys do like what I'm doing, uh, please you can support the podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at the After Hours Lounge. Uh, you can subscribe, follow me on Spotify, all the usual stuff. Uh, please share it with your friends. Um, the more we all talk, the easier it becomes. Thank you, guys, and enjoy the episode. Boom. Hello, friends. Oh, my voice went a bit there. Boom. Uh, welcome back to the next episode of the After Hours Lounge. Really stoked to be joined by my good friend. Actually, I haven't seen him for a few years. We were just discussing when we last saw each other. Uh Highland Rugby Club All Star, you uh, and Sam. You <laughs> All Star would be a bit of a push there, uh, but yeah, uh, brilliant. Cheers for having me on, Sandy. I really appreciate it. It's been a long time since the last like, time. Three years we met through work. I, I think, yeah, yeah. Well, we, I worked, so I worked with you guys for like, yeah, two or three years, like on and off. Yeah. I was, I was going away. Um, you were galvanizing around the world. I certainly was, but then I always came back to see you all, and actually. It's weird. I, I always remember going away and I was always, everyone else used to go away and they'd come back to the UK and work a shitty job in a pub or something like that. Yeah, and I, yeah. I was like, I was always stoked to get home because I just, I, I loved, I loved working there. I don't it, know. It, it wasn't for, for the money we got. It wasn't bad at all. Like for what we were doing, like we were kind of stealing a wage a little bit. Um, I, I think so. I thought it was chilled. It was, yeah, it was decent. Set the Kings of the car boot sale is what they called us. We used to set up car boot sales. It was good. Um, you cut about in shorts and a hoodie. Yeah, like, yeah. Occasionally you get free food. You just sort of yeah, walk. It's not, although you do have to deal with an excessive amount of weirdos. A lot of weird people. Yeah, and occasionally you have to clean up shit and sick. Ooh, yeah, there was a lot of poo stories that <laughs> uh, yeah, came out of there. Oh, I, did, Jesus. I, I did both in one day once. That was horrible. The double whammy. Yeah, the, is that what they call it? Yeah, double yeah. whammy, yeah. The cold, what was it a cold brown and the car boot? Or are you talking about poo <laughs> and pee? Yeah, I forgot about code brown. Yeah. yeah, we had a code that happened so often we had to create a code word for it. It's code yeah. brown. Oh, great. We used to we used to draw straws to see who'd have to go and clean up the poo. That was so that bad. Was, that was you guys on the lifeguard side. For us, we were pretty <laughs> chilled. We just wandered around opening opening vending machines. Yeah, that's class. A few of my friends are gonna listen to this, and uh, like they always say I'm weird because I always talk about poo and think it's really funny. And uh, I don't know if this is gonna get edited in a certain way, but. It's been like what two and a half minutes, and we've already just started talking about poo. So, um, if anyone's listening to this, it knows I, me. I, I, I didn't. I didn't bring that up. Sandy brought that up. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take. Oh, I'll admit. I think. I think shit. There's there is nothing funnier in this world than a, a shit story to me. Poos, poos and farts are funny. Poos and yeah. farts. Are and funny. that's not just that's not just five year old boys that think it. I personally, it will never stop being funny for me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. 
so the reason I got you on, um, we want to chat about rugby. As I said, you, 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 know, you play for the rugby club um, and then we're going to get into the kind of more serious reason as to why you're on today. But yeah. kind of tell, tell me a bit about how, how you got into rugby to start with and then where you're at with it now. Yeah, so uh, rugby, I first got into, I'm 24 now. So I was 20 years old when I first got into rugby. Um, I had never touched rugby all my life. And my uh, girlfriend at the time, uh, when I was 20, we, I can't remember how it came up in conversation, but basically I was talking about, uh, I'd tried a bunch of different sports in my time. And I asked her what was the sport that she found most kind of masculine and attractive. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she said, rugby players were hot. So... Uh, my 20-year-old little kind of ego thought I need to start playing rugby and that was the only reason I didn't watch it on TV. I didn't have any interest before. I played a little bit in school, but it was mainly just to kind of impress my then-girlfriend, um, <laughs> which I'm, she's, I'm no longer with her, but I still have rugby in my life, a huge part, so it kind of worked out uh, weirdly well for me. Yeah. Um, so I went down with zero rugby playing experience when I was 20. Um, to a, at the time was a, a really high standard club Highland were in uh, National 3 uh, the league three leagues below premiership level four leagues below premiership level um, four years later they're in National 1 now so I play for the Raptors Raptors are kind of your, your B team um, right. when I first came around um, the Raptors were a drinking team with a rugby problem right. um, we were basically just in it for the piss we were really bad at rugby to be honest with you we uh we lost a lot like almost every week um we would train twice a week and, and lose uh, like clockwork every saturday and then get absolutely wrecked afterwards <laughs> um and that was probably that probably turned around for the better when the council decided to build the new bypass and knock down our old clubhouse yeah i, I remember that yeah yeah build, build our new facility um, which kind of uh, kind of brought like a whole new level to the club. We also had uh, a guy come along, Ian Chisholm. Uh, he was hired from uh, down the central belt to come up and uh, class up the rugby club, maybe just kind of bring us up another level coaching-wise. Yeah. And um, the club's always had a really good body of talent, a really good production level of talent. We've got a brilliant section in sort of the, the younger age groups. We've got like a team at every age group, but um, it was kind of lacking a, a clear shared vision. And that was kind of what brought what uh, came in with uh, Ian and uh, the new clubhouse because the old clubhouse, uh, to say the least, was a shithole. Um, it was it was like manky, cold, disgusting grass pitch. You'd come off. Uh, we used to do tackling drills every Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, we'd come off. You know, I don't even know why I, I fucking did it. Uh, I looking <laughs> back at it, I hated it. Um, yeah. I, I just kind of went because I liked being part of it and part of the boys and, and making new friends and, and the social aspect of it. Yeah. I was not at the, at the start. I was not there to play rugby at all. It was not fun. It was not the rugby was not high on the priority list. Um, it was more making friends and boozing. Um, yeah. And that's kind of one of uh, one of the, the great things that the club's done for me is uh, it's kind of turned me into a bit of a, a more serious athlete as well um, through strength and conditioning and uh, the the kind of different way we train now. So. Um, rugby's kind of uh, perceived you'll know yourself the perception of rugby is kind of big guys running into each other yeah um, and there's still a lot of clubs that uh, that play that style of rugby which is what we would refer to as bash rugby um, but what we want to play with our, our big nights we play in an astro we play in a, a 4G pitch right um, it's, it's nice even on wet weather it's good it's, it's good to play on and um, we look to play a more expansive game where we chuck the ball around um, and we're, we're kind of based more on, on uh, athleticism and finding space as opposed to running at bodies, which I, I think is what personally what got me really interested in the game was the appeal of not having to be that tough and hard. 
Yeah. Um, you can get away with being a bit daintier and a bit faster. And I think that's where my love of the game came from, which is quite a lucky coincidence. Because um, had it kept going the way it was going, I, I definitely wouldn't have come back. And I know a lot of us wouldn't. And now we've we started off with two teams back then. I think we have we've got three now plus a vets team. Right. Um, so three three teams, and we usually have between 150, 120 to one hundred and fifty boys at training throughout the year, kind of thing. Um, oh. And we're about as close to professional club as an amateur club will get as well, um, with rules and standards off the pitch and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, that's great. I mean, obviously, you know, I, f- I follow you on social media and stuff and I always see, like, you know, you guys put a lot of updates and things. And something that's kind of recently started fascinating me, I think, since I started this podcast is, like, I've just become really curious. And one thing I've realised is that there is so much technicality behind every single sport, even though it's so easy to look at rugby. And I know, you know, I've been to a couple of rugby games and it is a bit stop-start. And then yeah, it, it can be a bit like, oh, my God, there's so many rules and stuff. But... Uh, like you said, a lot of it you do look at it generally. It's like big dudes running into each other, yeah, and and that. But actually, even just the way you said it there, there is there is so much more to it. I know it's almost silly to think that that isn't the case, but I yeah. guess I, I guess there is a there is such a, a vast difference between rugby boys go to fucking drinking beer, yeah, and lifting as heavy as possible, and then actually, right, let's let's actually put some thought into this, yeah. Um, and let's um, let's let's put a game on the field that's not only fun for the players to play, but it's fun for people to come down and watch. The the crowds that we get now, we we get people that you know used to go to Cali games religiously on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, obviously, Cali have kind of taken a dive in the last few years. They, they, a lot of old boys who have no interest in rugby, but they like coming down and watching the first team chuck the ball around, and it's a really good atmosphere. Um, you can get a cheap beer as well. You can sit inside; it's warm. The facilities obviously have brought a lot of people down. Um, yeah, that, that must help. That must help a lot, actually. Having, I mean, I, yeah. it's it's quite close to to the leisure centre we worked at, isn't it? But I I never I remember seeing them, you know, building the bypass and building it and stuff. But I never actually got to go over to the rugby facility. It's, but it's a class. It's a, an absolutely class day out for uh, just anyone for a piss up, really. Not even for a rugby fan. <laughs> um, but even like going back to what you said there about the technicality of rugby, that's I think a big draw for us at the moment as well. Certainly yeah. a big draw for me is. I don't think if I wanted to, I could go and play football at high school. Like, like take your like play at a similar standard, maybe like your Forest Mechanics or someone people in the Highland League. I don't yeah. really. I'm not too sure on the, on the football equivalent of where we play at, but Highland playing in National One as a as a National One club, potentially Premier if we get promotion uh, this year, would be you'd have to have a certain base level of football skill before you could show up to one of these clubs. Yeah. Whereas rugby, all you have to be able to do is catch a ball and run. Yeah, um, there's no, there's no kind of, there's not much nuance to it in that sense. You can develop the nuance, but if you come down to training, you want to just have a run around. It could just be come down to training. We'll stick you on the wing. You catch a ball. If you have like any relative level of skill and athleticism, you just catch the ball and run. Yeah. Um, you don't, you don't need to have that rugby playing background to get into rugby. Whereas I don't think you could go down to say a hockey team without being without knowing how to use a hockey stick. You'd be a bit yeah. lost. Football without being able to kick a ball and keep a ball at your feet. That's something you have to develop, you know, through time. Whereas rugby is just athleticism kind of running around and stuff like that isn't it so I guess I guess with with that in mind is that why you know and I, I guess the, having a new facility must have must have played a part in it because you probably like right well we've got this thing now we can't you know we can't be coming yeah. out out of this place every day or every week and being shit you know let's absolutely let's live up to it a bit but is that something that kind of inspired you guys to kind of or maybe not you guys maybe you personally and stuff to like go on a bit of a you know, get get fitter and focus on the yeah. athleticism um, a bit more. Yeah, I think I think a big part of it was that we realised that the first team needs to rely on the second team to play well, um, and um, 
when I first got there as well, the, the general consensus from around the club was the second team weren't very well um, respected, I'll say, but not necessarily shunned. But it was more like social rugby, like you come down once a week, once every two weeks, play your game and decide to get pissed. But to develop the first team, we had to get better as a second team squad because when there's injuries, we get or players will get called up to the first team. And also, if they if the first team are playing on a Tuesday and Thursday against a stronger opposition, they're going to go in on Saturday at a higher level, like with better prep. So um, it kind of got to the point where we were almost a few of us anyway. I, I, there's a lot of boys who dropped in and out of the second team, but a few of us kind of got the impression that it was kind of taking the piss a little bit if we were going to continue on to still like a drink. Fuck, I still love a drink. Yeah. But, um, to only focus on that and then to continue to show up and try and play in the, the second team is a bit of a piss take. Yeah. And kind of disrespectful to other boys that are there to, to really play. Um, we've got the third team, which is just kind of pure social rugby. So if you want to come down and, and just play a game, the third team's kind of what you're looking for. We get a lot of older players who have kind of given up, uh, you know, late 30s who can't be arse training anymore, and they just come down and have a game, yeah. um, which is fine. But I think now the standard is if you're playing for the first or the second team, that you're switched on and you're ready to train and play um, and ready to... The, se- the second team get drilled as hard as the, uh, as the first team now. Obviously, the standard's a bit lower. We're a bit slower. Our skills aren't quite there, but, like, we're still, there's still a lot of expe- expected of us, and that's kind of developed in the last few years, just from boys taking it a bit more seriously. Yeah. And then, and how, how does it work? I mean, can you, could, could a guy in the kind of second team, could he climb up to the first team, or are you yeah. very much uh, stuck in your ways, or is there like trials? How does that work? So you, we all train together on a Tuesday, no teams on a Tuesday, um, mm-hmm. which is class because playing next to those boys makes you better, and they're all there to help. Um, they're fun. They're they're fantastic. At, if they say the thing like again, there's this culture around rugby, but it's all big hard men, and and they you know they wanna they wanna take the piss out of you and like fucking make you do stupid shit and make you and like but they like they if you're there to work, then they're really keen to help you. All these boys, all these first team players, even the second team players who are a bit um recently our our, our current coach Nathan McLaughlin, he was a he was a first team kind of stalwart for the last sort of five years. And he actually just kind of took a step back and said, he's going to coach the second team. Um, he's kind of done his time. So um, boys are, if you're there to play, then regardless of your skill level, every boy is there to help you. Yeah. Um, That's cool. Coaches as well. You must, you must get that kind of, you get that sort of camaraderie, I guess, behind with, with something like rugby. I mean, it's, it's always, you know, a lot of people tend to notice it anyway with rugby and there's, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it, the whole rugby culture thing. And, you know that social mm-hmm. side of it, but I guess it's nice that do do you find that there's a bit of a switch as now now that you've got this facility and everyone's taking a bit more more seriously. Is there a bit of a switch as soon as you guys get onto the field as opposed to when you're in the pub, or is yeah, it absolutely? Um, I would say that um, generally speaking, like so, if you were to see us all on a night out, you wouldn't be able to like. There's not like everyone integrates with each other everyone's friends with each other you know we, we've got a big like perfect example lockdown happened you know we got a big call of duty war zone chat there's like 40 of us in this call of duty war zone chat yeah um, and even like you know like it's just it's it's so ridiculously inclusive but even for myself going down there was a huge stigma of like oh these first team players are going to kind of maybe bully the seconds or, or, or yeah. not include them uh and to be honest with you at points there was that when i was first there um but that again was in tow with boys not taking it very seriously and that maybe annoyed other boys which i i understand yeah i kind of can get on that level but um it's it's different now no it's it's completely different now um and a big part of that is training to get a lot of clubs um say down in the central belt there's seconds and first will always just train seconds and first 
Um, but not us. Everyone trains together. And uh, yeah, like you said, anyone could step up into the first team. So yeah, um, a few a few different players last year actually ended up stepping up into the first team from the second team and uh, kind of filling in as a crucial part. And then when the first team players came back off their injury, it was a bit of a headache for the coaches to try and uh, you know differentiate who they wanted to pick for for games and stuff like that. So but that's that's the kind of I suppose that's the kind of boring side that we're talking about. I mean, there's a lot there's a lot more fun things that we could talk about. Yeah. Casual listener that doesn't involve around Highland, um, like I mean, there's obviously the stuff you were talking about with the camaraderie off the field and the drinking and stuff like that. Yeah, and the initiations and stuff like that. I mean, we could get into that a little bit if you want to, do or for sure. I mean, so I mean, how I, I guess I mean, you you know, you're you know, you're you're quite like me. You're pretty pretty open dude, and you're pretty you know, you're yeah. you, you obviously you know, you like like having a couple of beers and like having a bit of fun. I mean, what what was that like when you when you were first starting? Were you kind of a bit worried about you know are they is there going to be like initiations and like you know in American things they call it like you know you get hazed and all that stuff yeah, yeah. was was that a kind of worry I mean I've got a couple of friends um yeah Alex Bruce I'm talking to you um I've got a couple of friends that were super into rugby and they've got some outrageous stories of like things they did to like new recruits and all this stuff like yeah. was that was, was that a thing you were worried about or was it kind of you just take it take it on the chin and it's part of the fun so do you know if I was to say the expression the dregs, you know the dregs of a pint, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of got the dregs of that part of the culture. Okay. So um, I think now there's kind of two different. There's university rugby, which is like to the nth degree of what you were talking about. Yeah, there. Yeah. Um. So like they're they've kind of got no one to hold themselves accountable to because they're a university club and whatever happens will fall back on the uni. So like there's I've heard stories about guys going to uni initiations, you know, and they, they've had to. All, they've all had to drink until they're sick and then uh, they have to like wrestle in the pool of the sick yeah, or like yeah. <laughs> they lock people in cages and like keep them in there for like nights on end and stuff like that or whatever yeah um, and then it kind of over the last kind of eight probably probably closer for us definitely over the last three years four years um it's changed so we're obviously kind of with the new facility and um, Inverness also being a small place we have to be extremely careful with what we do on and off the pitch yeah so, uh, like, it would be so easy for a paper like The Courier to pick something stupid off that we've done off social media or in town in our club attire and just kind of plaster all over the front page um, because there's not really anything but a slow news day in Inverness. Um, <laughs> Someone's stolen a bread loaf. Someone's stolen a bread loaf or <laughs> Harry guys out of pies too early or some shit like that. So, um it's yeah it's not exactly it's not exactly hard for us to get especially with the stigma around like you said rugby players people kind of want to want us to slip up i think as well uh, uh, yeah yeah um but uh i mean towards the end of my so i kind of showed up towards the end of what we what what's referred to affectionately at the club as the dark days so highland were about 10 years ago were uh, fell right down the the leagues and, and were trash they were a garbage team um and then a sort of whole new regime kicked in to kind of kind of get them going again and uh before kind of probably social media played a huge part into it for sure. Yeah. Um, and things going on Snapchat and that there was some really bad stories, like boys ripping, like falling over, like some of the heavier set boys falling over seats and buses and like ripping the seats off or oh, people shit. drawing blood or, or people having to, you know, eat cake. Like the worst one I heard was uh, <laughs> somebody dropped a cake on the floor and, and two young boys had to wrestle each other for who got to eat the cake off the floor. Um, <laughs> the stuff like somebody uh, had to down this pitcher and they were sick yeah. and uh, they had to they had to drink the sick out of the pitcher if they were oh, sick and obviously God. 
that was a one-time thing, though. But that was that was a that was a long time ago. Yeah. So, uh, my kind of my we we have what's called initiations. So an initiation would be like it's different now. So now it's just you drink on the butt. You get leathered basically. They just get you drunk and they make yeah. you sing and they kind of make it and it's all it's all very PG and uh, um, very safe. Whereas uh, I kind of got the tailor end of that. So um, on my my initiation, um, I had to get get bollock naked, sit at the back of the bus. Um, I had to drink a half and half of uh, 70 and cranberry juice uh, oh. and, and finish four Weetabix while I was doing it. And then I had to crawl from the, the back of the bus to the front of the bus naked uh, while getting punched by all the boys and slapped. Um, and then again, that was around about the time that I, I had the, uh, the same, the same uh, girlfriend who I uh, kind of got into rugby for uh, <laughs> to try and impress. And uh, I was going through to see her in Edinburgh yeah, uh, the night after. So um, there was four of us doing the initiation that day. One of the boys, uh, who I will not name, uh, made a mockery of it, kind of fucked it a wee bit, started crying. Um, so me being Billy Big Bollocks at the time, thinking I would impress all the rugby boys, uh, I stood up and I finished his uh, bottle, half bottle of uh, his vodka and cranberry, um, still naked. Um, and then I sat down and uh, we were on the bus back from, we were on the bus back from Stornoway windy road off the ferry and I was sick all over myself Um, then got straight off that bus absolutely hammered um got on a train to Edinburgh and then uh, got off to my girlfriend at the time who was who was less than impressed with the stink of me yeah Um, so that was kind of my experience but the the it's it's not like nobody's at that point nobody's there to hurt you you know it's just kind of it is hazing like you said um because that's not causing pain that's not upsetting anyone nobody's really getting bullied it's just kind of I think there, that kind of thing is to kind of wean out the weak of boys who just aren't really willing to put themselves on the line a wee bit, maybe. I think I, think, I guess it's just it's just something that's been in in the culture for so long. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's gone now, and I definitely yeah. don't think we're we're wrong for seeing the back of it. No, I, yeah. I don't think so as well. And that's it's super interesting actually. I never thought about it that bad. Actually, all my friends that are telling these kind of horror stories, like you've just told there, like they've all they all played for university teams, and it's so yeah. true. It's so true what you said that actually, you know, I bet a university team doesn't give half a shit compared to what like a a, a city team does, you know. And actually, yeah, because yeah. um, you're right, like you know, as soon as as soon as you guys slip up, do anything wrong. Absolutely, it's you know? it's yeah, it's a target on our back. Unfortunately, that's why um, none of us. We used to always go out in our, our Highland ties as well, but we kind of refrain from doing that now, just because even the slightest slip up, and you know, you're kind of marked, marked yeah. for having that 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 club kit on. Yeah. Um, exactly. And it's it, and as you said, it you know it is one of those things. It is so easy these days because everyone has a fucking HD camera in their pocket, don't they? You Absolutely, know? yeah. Everyone, everyone can take it, and someone might find it funny to upload a picture of you know even even something as innocent as you've had a few too many, and a guy goes, "Look, you, it's time for you to go home." And essentially, it looks like you might be getting kicked out of a bar. And if you're wearing yeah. an outfit, suddenly that's that's ruined, and you're called up on Sunday morning, and you're you get kicked out of the club, you know, and that's, yeah, and, there, there, you know, don't, don't get me wrong at all. There is a lot of boys that, and myself included, sometimes can get a bit too on the rowdy side. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I suppose we're all the same, aren't we? Like we, when we have a few too many beers, we've all, in the great words of Mike Tyson from the hangover, we all do dumb shit when we get fucked up. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's just like the kind of like, but unfortunately that gang mentality of when there's 30 of you in a club and one of you is doing that, 
dumb, stupid thing that I'm doing you know, so, yeah, spreads everyone else, everyone, yeah. Then all of a sudden they're like, look at the Highland boys, you know, they're all going, they're all going mental together. But yeah. in reality, like everyone fucks it every now and then, you know, like everyone has too many drinks and spews on the dance floor or, or falls into some girl and knocks drinks into it or something. But as soon as you got that tie on and there's a big group of you, people automatically label it together and it, it turns from that one guy was doing that one thing to, did you see that group of boys in the club last night? They were being so rowdy. Yeah. Um, and like you said, everyone's got a fucking HD camera in their pocket. So um, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's almost kind of intimidating a little bit and um, cancel culture and whatnot as well. Talking a That's bit. it, yeah. And there's, I think, I think, interesting as well. I think there's probably a, there's a lot of people out there that are pretty like anti anti rugby and anti rugby boys Absolutely. and all that stuff. And I don't know whether maybe they've had sort of bad experiences in the past or whether they just don't agree with that kind of culture of it and they think that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, hopefully, this podcast can kind of turn people around a little bit. That, as you said, like. You know, everyone everyone gets fucked up and does something stupid every yeah. now and then. You know, I trust, trust every single person that listens to this. Like, at least, you know, all of you have got drunk at one point and been sick on yourself. Every or single done, time. or accidentally done some, what, something or said something that's hurt someone's feelings that you did not mean. Um, something like that. We've all done fucking stupid shit. Absolutely. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a stigma. And I, I, I understand why it's there. I do understand why it's there. It's also intimidating when you see groups of boys, you don't often see groups of boys cutting around in twenties and thirties, you know, especially in a small place like Inverness. So I can understand how it would be intimidating or, or, you know, a lot of pride. I'd imagine say if probably some boys listen to this going, I don't got fucking scared of rugby players. I don't care. But it's, I didn't mean it like that. I just meant, you know, it can be, I mean, I, I for one would find it intimidating. Oh dude, I do. For sure. I do. Like I see a, you know, I see a big, any, any, to anyone who's not part of it, a big group of, a big yeah. group, a big group of guys in their 20s is always going to be intimidating. Absolutely. I'm the same. I'm absolutely the same. Regardless of what they're wearing or, you know, mm-hmm. how, how big they all are, you see a big group, you're always like, oh, fucking hell. But yeah, yeah. I wonder how ready they're going to be. Like, exactly. Know. Exactly. So it, it is always intimidating. But I guess it's almost nice to know that, you know, it's, it's something like rugby, I, I always felt that there was that certain level of, like, kind of camaraderie and, and respect of, like, you know, you're going to get drunk. And if one of them does start actually trying to cause something bad, you know, if one of them's starting to pick a fight and stuff, usually, I mean, in my experience, I've seen the other lot be like, nah, we're not going to, you know, pull him, pull him yeah. back and we're not going to do, you know, I've been on nights out in Edinburgh and, or even, you know, down, down south in England and stuff and a load of rugby boys out and one person yeah. starts up and usually it's all, it's all ended very quickly. Absolutely. And, and the people who get the, we get the worst, if something like that does happen, if, then, Typically, the worst grilling will come at training on the Tuesday. It always gets back to the coaches or, you know, other players will be like, we can't do this. Like, you can't do this. It's, yeah. it's not worth risking our good name for such a stupid, trivial thing as to react into some guy pulling your tie off or, or doing something stupid like pushing yeah. you or bumping into you on purpose. It's just, it's not worth everything you kind of build, we've built over the last four to five years um, to rebrand the club. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And I guess... I guess it's one of those things and you know, for like like for me, I'm a few years older than you. I'm twenty nine now and like as much as I hate to admit it, like I am getting older. I'm thirty. Yeah. yeah, like and as you do get older, I guess have you found like as you've got older perhaps you start you know, the boys have maybe started to calm down a little bit and you're not as bothered about, you know, going yeah. that you're you're maybe a bit more focused on like actually let's go and let's go play a fucking sick game of rugby tomorrow or let's go smash training and stuff. Are you would you say that guys, as they get older, are a bit more into that? You said guys in the third team are kind of, they can't be arsed with all that stuff. But, you know, you guys are relatively in your, in your prime in terms of rugby. Would you say, 
that, that that's starting to happen? Or do you think that's just the culture as a whole? Um, yeah, I think it's more so like... Um, yeah, no, I would agree with that. It's, it's different for everyone, though. Like, there's guys who are my age who don't drink full stop and they just absolutely love rugby and they're really? nine times the player, ten times the player I am. And that's purely on the basis that all they do is they go to the gym and they, they work their fucking ass off and it shows on the pitch. Yeah. Uh, and that might be the, the difference between potentially, say, myself and someone who's, who's playing at that level above me is just the, 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 the ability to not drink and to work hard as fuck off the field. Yeah. I'd like to think I work relatively hard off the field but i do enjoy a piss uh, getting pissed up you know yeah, um, yeah. so uh, it's kind of you can and also when you get a big win you want to get drunk so it's but you know i think you're definitely right and then boys usually start to you know kind of pull away from the sport a little bit when they get to about 30 right. i think you've been playing for 10 or 15 years and your body starts to get sore the recovery's different saying, yeah you've got families coming in you can't really be giving up two nights a week plus your whole saturday to travel through to aberdeen or glasgow yeah um so it's 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 a massive mixed bag. But that's what I was saying. The, if if anyone listening to this is like looking for an outlet, like the best thing they could do is come down to Highland. It's so like welcoming and opening. There's there's something for someone down there at any level. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. Certainly in the last four years, is to is to go down and, and put my put time and effort into it because I've gotten so much more out of it than I put in. Um, you yeah. get so much back from the club. So it's 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 fantastic. A great opportunity for people to come down. If they're looking for it to try something new, you know. Yeah, mate. I mean, I, I, I thought I fully thought you were like, you know, born and born and bred rugby player. I thought you'd been playing since you were like fourteen, fifteen. I didn't know that you started when you were twenty. I thought you were, you know, one of those kids that was playing it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I actually, I actually, I got put down to rugby. I went down to rugby when I was. This is something I actually don't really mention that much. But I went down to rugby when I was five, uh-huh. um, and I, I, I don't remember it obviously. But my mum said that I absolutely loved it, and I went down yeah. for like two sessions. And then uh, my family was like a, an out-and-out football family. So, like, uh, my dad was like a really religious Cali Thistle fan. Right. And he was like, nope, you're going to football. And I hated football. I hated yeah, the games. I hated playing minute. football. I hated the culture at that age. I just did not want to be around the sport. And, and that actually forced me out of sport for a long time because yeah. I, I said, I was like, I don't want to play football. I don't want to play any sport. I'm just, you know, and I didn't play sport again until I was like kind of nine or ten when I took up basketball um, and hockey. But I mean, it makes me wonder how different things could have been had I not been forced into football. Yeah, um, where I'd be at rugby wise just now. It's so, it's so easy to think like that. Like I remember, I I didn't play any sport until I was eighteen and went and learned to become a windsurfing instructor. Like no sport yeah. at all, you know. Um, and I remember in, my, in like sixth year and stuff. Like I wasn't a very popular kid at school. I wasn't with the popular kids. But I remember sixth year. You know, the everyone the classes get smaller and everyone starts hanging out together and all this. And all the boys, you know, the popular boys that were on the rugby team and stuff, they all, you know, like, we, you know, we've, we know each other quite well. Like, I'm, I'm quite a big guy. Like, I'm, you know, nearly 6'4", and I'm pretty broad. And they were like, oh, come and play rugby. And I was like, nah, fuck that. Like, I'm not interested. Yeah. And one of, my, one of my big regrets now is that I said no. Like, I wish I'd said yes. I wish I'd gone along. And, you know, they, they were, I think because I had this stigma of, like, they don't, they're just going to do it and make fun of me and all this. But I think they were pretty genuine. And they just, they yeah. wanted, they wanted, they want, I was a bit, you know, and I was quite a fat, you know, so I was the size I am now, but 10 or 15 kilos heavier. I think I was about 110 kilos. So, you know, they, they probably, uh, they probably want to use you for a body, for your body, you know? Oh, for sure. But, and looking back on it now, I can see that. But at the time I was kind of like, no, they're, you know, I was like, I'm being baited into something. They're going to, yeah. 
you know, they're going to pull my pants down in front so of they were, No, they were, they were trying to whore you out in a different way. They were trying to whore you out for your weird genetics that made you yeah. like 13. Well, that's, well, that's the thing. And I, and I wish I'd, I, it's a shame because I, I kind of wish I'd done it. And I often think, cause like, I mean, I, I think if I'd started it then, you know, 16, 17, I think I'd probably have been quite good at rugby. Like, you know, I'm quite, quite a big guy and, you know, now, now I'm quite sporty. I've grown into being quite sporty. So I probably yeah, yeah. enjoyed it. Um, but it's, dude, it's so easy to say, oh, what, what if I'd done this? What if I'd done that? Like, you're, you're here now and you're, you know, it's, it's always good. Yeah. So, I mean, can you do, do, the, do the first team, is that like, are they, are they professional rugby players? I mean, how you said you're like the rung below. I mean, do, do those guys get, get paid at all or is it still? No, just, uh, no, um, no. So they, they, they do play teams that get paid under the table. Anything before a premiership level is meant to be amateur. Right. But uh, a, lot, a lot of the big clubs that, that the kind of the SRU, I think, my, I've, what I've gathered, I'm not in the know. But right. from what I've gathered from what boys from hearsay and from you know speaking to friends who went down to uni and played for certain clubs is that all these teams play, pay their players under the table, sometimes quite a substantial amount of money. Right. Um, and SRU kind of just look the other way or because they want to you know, have big successful clubs in the central belt or wherever. Uh, but we get paid. We don't get paid at all. Everyone's amateur. Uh, there was talk of potentially starting to to pay if we uh, last year maybe. But boys, just we actually got asked as a club, would you like to start getting paid? And I think ninety percent of us said no. Oh, really? um, well, just because it it creates a bigger divide, doesn't it? Um, I mean, maybe maybe if like so, if you were to look into the like, there's a club like if we were to go into the Premiership, then yeah, maybe start twenty quid a game. Uh, what happens is like twice, there's a there's a club down in the in the central belt, uh, Hoyk, uh, not central belt, sorry, they're in the borders, I think, and they get they all their players they're in the Premiership get twenty quid after a game, and they just spunk it behind the bar to kind of give back and show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that, I mean that's paid. that's a nice way of doing it. Yeah, so but I mean that's fine, but as soon as you start handing little brown envelopes under underneath the table, then bigger divides get created. Although I, I genuinely don't think boys would care enough to get paid. I think they just enjoy playing rugby. I think that's it, yeah. As you said, it starts bringing politics into it, doesn't it? You Absolutely, yeah. It goes, well, well, I haven't I got an envelope? I'm going to quit. Absolutely, and this. yeah, yeah. It just creates rifts, I guess, doesn't it? Yeah, totally does. Yeah. So, I mean, with, with, with that in mind, do, you know, obviously you guys are, you know, super focused on, like, fitness training and stuff like that. And, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the, the heavy stuff in a minute. But, I mean, what's the, what's the mindset of the guys like? I mean, do you guys have any kind of, you know, mind, mindset coaching and, you know, all that stuff. Or, I mean, I've seen all this stuff about, you know, rugby players recently have been forced to do like yoga and meditation. And yeah. that, that's come to the forefront a lot in the last couple of years with, with athletes and stuff. I mean, do you guys do any of that or? So we've done pretty much everything under the book. We have a nutritionist working with us. We have a strength conditioning coach. We have the same strength conditioning coach also does our on-field fitness. And uh, we've actually had, uh, we've got two physio, two physios just now. Um, and on top of that, we've actually had like yoga classes. Uh, I remember uh, a lady came in to run a yoga class with us, and uh, obviously, it kind of started off. Boys weren't taking it very seriously. Uh, it was a bit of like boys were taking the piss a little bit, and then by the end of the class, like everyone had completely bought in. You know, we were all giving it namaste with the hands together. By the end, like everyone was absolutely loving it. Um, so we have yeah stuff like that. As I said, it's, it's about as professional a club as an amateur club will get. So, um, and it's got a whole, it's got, we've got a committee that runs us as well. So that takes good care of us. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yoga's, yoga was class for me. I fucking loved yoga. I, I was going to say, I, I was, I was going to ask you actually, what, what did you, did you like yoga? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Fucking loved it. Um, so I was a little stoner back in the day, you know, when I was like Mr. Cool Kid, you know, I wore my big DC skate shoes and stuff. 
<laughs> uh, I used to I used to smoke smoke some some fucking pot, bro. And uh, I kind of felt baked afterwards. Like I just lay there, like after yoga, and I was just like the most mellow I've ever been in my life. It felt class. There was about we after we finished it, I think like ten, there was a class of thirty of us did it in the club, and uh, I think ten of us uh, stayed on afterwards and just lay on the couches listening to like. I think it was Fat Boy Slim or something, just chilling out. Like, yeah, almost fell asleep. It was really, yeah, really it good. Put you, it does put you in a weird, in a weird state of mind. I started doing it. I started doing it two, two and a bit years ago, um, and I haven't done it much. Really. I've got a bad back as well, so it's it's pretty good, good for me. I've got a bad back yeah, and yeah. really, really tight hamstrings. So I do it quite a lot because it's brilliant for that. Um, but yeah, it it does put you in this weird like transcendent state afterwards yeah it's odd isn't it it's peculiar it's really peculiar i never thought that like moving your body could do that to you and i kind of i kind of had again a skepticism about it i was like this is just Ah. stretching but it's more about it's more it's kind of calming your mind isn't it well it's the breathing as well the breathing's what is it it's the it's the actually regulating your breathing and you know the amount that like taking long drawn out you know ins and outs does for you and doing that when you're in these positions like I mean, I, I don't know the, the science behind it. I did, an, I did a podcast episode with a guy called Will who went out to India for three months on a yoga thing and became an instructor. So, I mean, I'll have to, I'll have to listen to myself again and learn again. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, it makes you think, like, I think as well, like, yoga, obviously, like, the idea of it is just to bring you to the present, to the here and now. Yeah. It's so, like, how often are you really in the present? It's, kind of it's kind of a head fuck, really. But I, a lot of the time, I'm really bad for living in the past or looking to the future. How often do you, like, calm your mind enough to just live in the present and enjoy yeah. what you're doing? It's scary how often you think like you're probably not doing that. No, definitely not. Do you do you find um do you find you do that with rugby though? Like when you're on the pitch, does that does that bring you the same kind of experience? Do you think in the present? Because I imagine there's so much going on, you can't think yeah. about you can't think about oh what am I going to wear next week on a night out or yeah or yeah I wonder if that girl's texting me back or blah exactly, blah blah. Yeah. Do you do, um, does that give you the same thing? Yeah, well, well, going into like sort of lockdown as well. I know we were going to discuss a bit about lockdown and uh, talking about the importance of, of fitness and, and mental health to do with that. Yeah. Um, but like, it's it's absolutely rugby's absolutely uh, at the moment. Um, I'm unemployed, um, so I don't have a job at the moment. Um, I kind of lost. I lost. I was working two jobs. I lost both of them after. Uh, I lost both of them after furlough scheme ended. Right. Um, so it's kind of it's escapism uh, going on the pitch because. Like you said, there's a lot going on and forcibly you don't have the time to worry about anything else. And obviously you enjoy you enjoy the sport, you're having fun in what you're doing. So all you have time to do is worry about the fun that you're having. Yeah. And it's it's really enjoyable. And for like two, you know, two to three hours a week on a Tuesday and Thursday night and Saturday on a Saturday morning as well, you kinda of get to forget about everything and you're just yeah. on the pitch and enjoying yourself. Um and all of a sudden, you know, work doesn't matter and you know money doesn't matter and stuff like that like none of that matters it goes out the window and you're just playing a bit of rugby with your friends exactly i i mean i you know i i say it in i say it at least five times in every episode i ever do like having having something like that having a kind of passion that you can do for an hour or two a week that is is a complete game changer in terms of like mental health like for me you know i'm lucky enough i've got something like you know going in the sea like windsurfing you know surfing that sort of stuff I mean, that's great. Um, it's condition dependent, which is the only annoying thing. So, you know, yeah. there's got to be, the wind's got to be in the right direction and the tide's got to be right and all this stuff for it to work. Um, but that almost makes it more special because when it does, it's great. And then yeah. just before lockdown, I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well, which is like one of the best fucking things I've ever done in my life. And I'm, Did so, you go to a class for that or did you just... Yeah, like, yeah. No, I, I just, I, I, I found like the local, you know, dojo. <laughs> um, and I, 
I emailed, I emailed the guy and I was like, look, I'm super nervous. I've never done any martial arts in my life. Like I was basically like, I'm a real pussy, mate. What can I do? <laughs> and he was, he was super chilled. He was like, yeah, first, you know, your first class is free. Come along. We've got all the gear, blah, blah, blah. And I like went in and like people listen to this will know, like I, I walked up and I saw the window and everyone was getting changed and all this. And I was like, I can't fucking do this. <laughs> I, walked, I walked back to the car and I sat in the car and I was like, yes, you can. And I got out and, and I went in and the guy was like, oh, you knew? And I said, yeah, yeah. And he, so, you know, he gave me the robe, the gi, it's called. And he said, you know, size me up. Here you go, put this on. Did that. And then you just go upstairs and everyone, like you said with rugby, everyone was, it was so inclusive. Everyone was like, hey, man, like, welcome. And, you know, for something that's, and I guess rugby is similar because it's looked at as an aggressive sport. Yeah. Uh, so it was quite intimidating. But I guess the more, it felt like the more aggressive it was, the more, like, inclusive it was. People were so, like, what was the age range of the class you were? Coming oh, like there was there was like an eleven year old girl. There was you know there was a, a few a few girls and they you know in terms of like us rolling with each other they kind of kept themselves to themselves. Um, and you you know you occasionally came up and rolled against them, but I think you just you know I didn't roll with like there was two kids and I never rolled with them. Um, and then large yeah, I reckon there was guys up to like in their fifties maybe. Mm. Um, but I oh, dude, it was sick. I'm so sad that it's that it stopped because of COVID. I mean, that's like about as contact sport as you get, really. Yeah, pretty much, isn't it? You don't, yeah, you're pretty much breathing in each other's mouths. Eh? Yeah, you're really... you have, I, I remember I had someone's face like squished against my face and I'm like, yeah. can't we do this now? Absolutely but not. I think having having a passion like that, having something to do, I think is, it makes such a, a huge difference. Massively, yeah. Mentally, it makes a, a massive, massive difference, especially, like you said, now more so than ever when boys don't have anything. A lot of people are just working and going home every night. Some people <laughs> yeah. are working from home, so they're, they're kind of comfort space. They're kind of, you know, they're, they're garden, they're, they're dojos, like, you know, metaphorically speaking, their own, their own house has become their workspace and it kind yeah. of all gets clustered together. So having that two hours uh, every couple of nights to just get out of the house and just get out your own head is, is really, really key to, to kind of being happy at the moment, I think. Especially, again, Scottish people, we all love to drink. We've got, especially in the Highlands, we've got a horrible binge drinking culture. Yeah. No pubs open. So like having the ability to go out of the house and do that for two weeks is massive. Yeah, I think, yeah, having, have, yeah, having something to do is, is huge. And it sounds... It sounds so silly to say because it's so it's so glaringly obvious, but so many people don't 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 pay attention to it. They don't sit and think. Oh, actually, even something like oh, I'll just go for a walk. Like the Highlands is one of the most beautiful places in the world. Yeah. Just take yourself. You, you could drive half an hour out of Inverness, and you're you're faced with some of the most beautiful views you've ever seen in your life. Like we definitely that, take it for granted. Oh, dude, do it. Like the amount of people that you know, because obviously. I've you know travelled quite a lot and stuff, and then I I go back and I'm always surprised. But then if I bring people back with me, you know, every time my girlfriend comes up or like I've got a couple of friends that have come up to stay with me and stuff, and they're always like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, you know, like, like I took, I took like one standard. friend. Yeah, my mate grew up in in Sydney in Australia, you know, and he he came up for the week, and I took him to Urquhart Castle and Loch Ness and stuff, and he was like, "This is epic." Yeah, it's so you, but you get it's, it's the growing up that makes you take it for granted because you're just used to it. You wake up and look out the window and it's there, but it is it's class. We we're really lucky to live where we live, especially again here in this kind of pandemic pandemic where we're a bit more we're a bit more isolated than most places. You know, we've got a bigger population base, but um, we're kind of separated from the central belt and the larger clusters. So um, if you were, I mean, you wouldn't be able to go like you said, drive half an hour and go on these incredible walks if you live down in Dundee, for example. So yeah, um, it's class living up here. It's been class for the last few months. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, 
So let's 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 move on a little bit then. Let's go to um, we're going to change tack a little bit if that's all right. Um, yeah. One of the reasons one of the reasons that I I kind of messaged you obviously you know I know you as well but um, you know as the, as my podcast is you know a bit more focused on on the kind of mental health is that I, I was made aware that in December last year one of your uh, you know by the looks of it very good friends but and one of your teammates unfortunately took his own life. Um, yeah. Lewis was his name. Um, yeah, Lewis, Lewis McDonald, yeah. Lewis McDonald, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, can you and, and literally talk talk as little or as much about it as you like? Um, I know you said before you were you were happy to talk about it. Um, I mean, you know, when when that happened, how how did that go through the team? Um, yeah, just tell me tell tell me about it. I don't want to yeah add up to yes. Um, no, that's all right. So um, basically, um, we uh, we all found out uh, as a grouping when it happened. Um, we were, it was on a Tuesday, it was in December, a Tuesday night in training, and we were all, we were all sat upstairs and we were, the news was delivered to us then that it had happened. Um, and it was, it was kind of, it was, it was one of the strangest moments of my life. Um, and I would definitely not in a million years have ever wished I could have done it with the group of boys that it kind of happened with um, because I don't know how I would have been able to handle it if it wasn't for all the boys at the club being around us and being so tight um, tight-knitted at the time um, because we talked about all the drinking and, and obviously on the field stuff brings you together as rugby players and obviously you make friends through that, I've been friends for life through the club through that, like through the drinking and the rugby but I think that kind of experience brings you together as people as opposed to rugby players yeah and um, and it was, it was, um, I, I find it hard to put into words the feeling. Um, when, I, when I was initially told, uh, I kind of just stood up, walked outside. Um, a lot of boys obviously just, it was silence for a while. I, I kind of stood up, walked outside and just burst into floods of tears. Yeah. Um, and it was like, I almost kind of felt like I had to cry. I didn't really know at the time what I was crying over. Um, I just kind of thought my, my initial thought was just like, right, you need to, you know, you need to show some form of emotion here. And I think a big thing for me was when it first happened um, was I kind of, I was struggling with it because I didn't know how to feel. Um, I'd never experienced loss before in my life like that. Um, especially not someone who's so, who's so young. Um, we, we lost a coach, um, Porky Alistair Weems, who was, um, an absolutely outstanding human being and uh, it was horrible for the club. It was a really big loss. And that too was kind of a surprise. He, he died, I think it was in his 60s of a heart attack and that that was it was a horrible experience as well. But I think with, with Lewis was because he was so young and he had so much life left to live and he was a, such a, like an ambitious guy and he had a really good career. He worked in the Merchant Navy. You kind yeah. of don't know how to handle that and it's, it's it, obviously death is death and you, and you don't, never pleasant but it's way worse because it wasn't an illness that took him it wasn't an accident it was you know himself in his own mind and and trying to trying to process that of like fuck like the the immediate thought for a lot of boys was is this my fault could this have been on me and it took a lot of the older boys to um kind of sit people down and say you know if that idea is in someone's mind then there's not a lot you could do i guess to stop it relatively like you, we're not professionals we're not shrinks we can't identify the small the smaller signs or we couldn't at the time anyway yeah um because we weren't we weren't qualified um and uh yeah it was just like it was it was alien almost um it took it took weeks for it to settle in 
um, to realise it had happened. It was kind of like it was, it was a, uh, it's a fucking horrible cliche, and I wouldn't like to say it, but a roller coaster of emotions. You kind of just you're up and down on all over the place, and then, um, for me again individually, I didn't want to. It was the first. I'm a very sociable guy. You'll know that from kind of yeah. working with me and chatting to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love chatting to anyone, um, and just getting the crack and talking utter utter crap. And it was the first time in my life that I didn't want to speak to anyone about it, about it. It was, I, I was like, I don't want to talk about this. I just wanted to be with people who are in the same boat as me and just be silent and just kind of deal with it together without directly addressing it, which is, yeah. and, and that's never, I've, I've always, whenever something bad's happened, um, you know, like failed, failed an exam or did something stupid on a night out or broke up with a, with a girl or something like that, I've always wanted to speak about it. But with with losing Lewis, it was it was just I just wanted to be silent and I just wanted to be around people who were also in the same boat, um, which was incredibly peculiar. Um, and also with him working offshore, it took longer to sink in I think because it almost felt like can your mind kind of tricks you. You felt um, like was back, like, I think. Yeah, like he's gone and he would go away for months on end anyway. He'd only hear from me. He was in like the fucking middle of the ocean. You'd hear from him once every couple of weeks. Yeah. And he'd come back and he'd dive and he'd be writing amongst all the boys. Yeah. Um. And it was kind of like every now and then you'd be like, oh, you'd forget about it. And then you'd be like, wait, he's obviously gone. He's not, um, he's not away, you know, uh, in, in the middle of the ocean. He's, he's gone. And it's, it's hard to, to process that. Um, yeah. it's, it, was, it was really strange. When you, um, say, when, you, when you say, you know, you wanted to be around other, other people who've like, experienced it, do you mean, do you mean like, other members of the team? Yeah, so I, I, so when it happened was it was it was very close to Christmas when it happened. Yeah, uh, I think two weeks before Christmas, um, and obviously there was boys on the team who were closer to him than I was. Uh-huh. He's got a family and stuff like that, so I, there was obviously people suffering worse than me um, because of Lewis's loss. But for, in the three years that I know in Lewis, uh, he was um, it was hard because he was, you know, he was he was such a it's again it's such a cliche, but he was the most caring person um, in the world, the most selfless person in the world. He would you know whether it was money or on the pitch or anything like that, he was always the first one to put his hand up to help. Um, and I guess that was like kind of what masked what was going on a little bit. Yeah. Um, and when it did happen, as I said, um, you kind of want the world to, I think the consensus was you, like it happens and you know, your whole world comes crashing down on you. And then you're kind of, you're kind of the rest of the world gets on with life as normal because they're not going through it with you. Yeah. So you kind of want to distance yourself from that. So like I didn't want to go back to work and have to deal with people who weren't going through what I was going through because they would just continue as normal. Yeah. Because I wasn't really emotionally in that place. Um. And quite luckily, with it happening so lot close to Christmas, a lot of boys, um, obviously have the two, the two week break, the holiday, the tradesman holiday. Um. A lot of boys have that that time off. Um. And obviously, people are back from uni, so the boys that were all going through it together had were just constantly in each other's company all the time. Like for yeah. four or five days, I think like. From nine in the morning till ten at night, we were all just together all the time, um, just because that was kind of we were the only kind of people we wanted to to deal with. Be with, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who were also who were also going through it. And I mean, we, you know, did you guys? Was it very much you guys just like you said, just sort of sat there in silence, or did you did you guys talk about it at all? Or we talked about him a lot. Um, there was a lot of rationale for um, what could we have done. Where we we kind of thought ourselves ourselves as a very woke club in general right we've done like kind of psas and videos on suicide prevention and um, we've worked like with charities like uh, mikey's line in inverness which is like a, a line for people who are feeling who have mental illness or, or feeling you know suicidal yeah 
um, and we've done like on top of like the suicide stuff, we've done loads of stuff with with uh, with Bre- you know breast. We did a video for breast cancer awareness. We were all in bras, uh, oh. stuff like that. Cool. Um, and for it to happen to one of our own after advocating for all this, it was like obviously it's a fucking horrible gut punch anyway. But it was kind of like how did we miss this? Miss this, yeah. And it just kind of came down to we weren't as 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 in the know as we thought we were, yeah. um, which is no one's fault at all. Um, but I really do think in this situation to kind of properly be in the know, you almost have to directly deal with it in a way. Um, yeah. There's obviously people who are professionals who get degrees and learn how to deal with it other ways. But for a kind of average Joes like me and you, I think you have to kind of go through it to understand. Um, and the, the signs, the signs were there, I would have said. Um, and uh, there was a lot of things that had popped up. I knew, I, I knew myself and a few other boys felt pretty guilty because when Lewis, there was a few times when Lewis got wrecked, you know, drunk, and he would say things like, I've, I'm not feeling good in the head. Yeah. And then there's a few boys um, who had, had lost friends to suicide before, and they'd cornered him and been like, you know, dude, if you're struggling, like, I'm here to talk about it and, you know, kind of offer them an olive branch or a, that sort of thing. And uh, he would shut off when he was sober. Um, and he, But he was so convincing, he would say, no, I'm fine, I'm totally fine, I'm totally fine, totally yeah. fine. Um, and then sometimes like every couple of months it would maybe like come out um, that he, he was feeling a bit shit but when it happened it was like the biggest shock in the world because um, when he was sober for all for for what for what it was he was just the, the happiest dude ever yeah um, and I just don't under it's it's kind of it's kind of scary and I don't know if you agree with scary in that instance the kind of things the human mind can can do to someone for them to put on that front and to be that happy and to to be so focus predominantly on making others happy and then they've actually got these inner demons that they're just battling on their own yeah um, i think and- i think it's almost one of those things where it's, it's potentially something you could notice as well of like when you realize that all everyone's doing pe- people kind of end up living through other people you know and they're yeah. all all they're trying to do is deflect and go oh no i'll buy you a beer or i'll you know i'll do this and i'll you know they're trying to please everyone else and it's like dude yeah. it it I think it, it's not selfish to look after yourself as well. Uh, yeah. And I think that that's potentially, I mean, I, dude, I, 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 I say this all the time. I, I don't confess to being an expert in this. All I'm trying to do is open up a conversation. So I, I, don't, I don't know if this is right or not. But for me, I think that's often maybe a bit of a tell of like, right, this, this dude is literally, you know, he never wants to talk about, people don't want to talk about themselves. They're like, no, no, you don't want to hear about me. Let's, let's, you know, tell me, tell me about when you're on holiday. Tell me about this. And it's like, dude, no, tell me, tell me about you you know yeah um and i think that's, I, that was yeah that was a big thing for me going forward as well as what you just said there of if someone's ever been that excessively nice then it's 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 easy to be selfish and forget to just like completely deflect the conversation and be like yeah tell me about you what's yeah, going on exactly and not taking no for an answer and kind of being like no you need to let's speak yeah um, and i think i think with you know with that an approach i've i've taken you know especially now you know, since, since my own troubles and then, you know, since starting this is just like the act of just, just trying to find common ground, you know, whether it's, whether it's, you know, you know, that the other person, like, I guess you, you know, you already had this with, with Lewis and your whole teammates, but I bet, you know, if any of you are struggling to come up with something to talk about, you just talk about rugby, you know, it's it's already a common thing that you guys can talk about and finding that with another person, you know, you instantly become comfortable talking about something you know about. Yeah. Can, you know, go and talk to like for me you know my i've got like three or four conversations that i know i'm comfortable talking about you know yeah um and and 
and if I'm a bit nervous and stuff, usually I try and deflect to those conversations, but the other person needs to be up for it as well, you know? Um, but it, it can be, it can be super, super difficult. So, I mean, how in, in, in the wake of, you know, what, what happened to Lewis and stuff, I mean, have you guys, have you guys kind of changed, changed the way you do things? Has there been any sort of, you know, opening up of you guys, you know, do you guys all go and have a beer now and then and talk to each other about stuff or how, how does it work? I, I definitely think so. So I've, I've, I actually de- personally, and I kind of kind of noticed it as well with other boys is even the trivial things get brought up now that wouldn't have been brought up before. Right. So like, just like stupid little shit. Like if like someone's having a bad time at work or somebody's had a bad time with like a girl they've been seeing, or it's just, you know, no matter how trivial people take the time, uh, the boys anyway, take the time to, to listen to it. And it's not that they wouldn't have before, but I think people thought, Oh, they don't want to hear about this. Yeah. But now it's like every little thing is listened to and it almost kind of went the other way. So now boys are kind of like hyper um, sensitive to how, like how boys are doing outside of the club. Um, and like, it's obviously that's a, that's a really good way to be um, to the point where even boys kind of, if they say maybe saw something on social media that wasn't, you know, too good, um, like a depressing status or something like that, even no matter how trivial it would always be, uh, brought up brought to people's attention like do we need to address this how do we go about addressing this we can't there's i've had conversations with boys where i've kind of thought someone again i won't name names no of course where we thought other other boys in the club maybe weren't doing so well um or even people outside of the club haven't been doing so well and we've kind of like addressed it like calmly like you know how do we go about asking them we don't want to make corner them and, and force them into talking yeah. but at the same time we need to figure out like if everything's okay we need to seem genuinely interested it can't just be you know you okay bro it's got to be or whatever that's fucking i don't say bro i don't i'm not i'm not a douche like that but no. <laughs> uh, yeah. but like uh it can't just be like a stupid mess it's like are, are you okay how are you doing like it needs to i think it needs to seem quite sincere when you're you know addressing people with these sort of things because you don't want to just seem like you're asking if they're okay for this for your own sake of getting it like i've done my bit you know like that, that's me i've asked if they're okay it's like you've got to seem genuinely concerned that's it you know and i guess it's, it's easy for like yourself or whoever, when you're trying to help someone out, it's easy for yourself to think like, are you doing this for kind of selfish reasons so that you feel better about yourself for helping yeah. out, you know? Um, but actually, I think it's very easy for people to think that. I mean, I know I've, you know, certainly felt like that and you're like, well, am I, am I just doing this so that, you know, I've done my good deed of the day kind of thing. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. You know, but I, actually, I think, I think it's, it's very easy to think like that. And I think we almost shouldn't think like that because irregardless of whether you look at it as, good deed of the day or if you're being sincere i think you're, you're still doing a good thing um yeah you know whether whether you hope whether you help an old lady across the road with her shopping because you want to do it you know to seem like feel like a better person yourself or whether you're genuinely doing it to help the old lady you're still fucking helping her take her shopping across the road you know you're, you're, yeah you've still done something good regardless of the motivation still, behind it still, you've still helped another person get through that day you know um, and I think I think that's that's another stigma in itself is taking away that like, you know, why why should I feel bad for helping someone else out? You know, fuck yeah, it makes me feel good, you know. And as long it, as you're making them feel good, it shouldn't matter. Exactly. That's yeah. Exactly my point. You know. And I think helping there there is a lot of that. And oh no, I shouldn't do that. And you know, I'll, I'll look stupid, or you know, people will think I'm you know. People will think I'm just doing it for the likes, you know, if I'm, you know, I think, I think people going out, if you're filming it, you know, then you're a fucking arsehole. But, you know, if you're, if you're genuinely reaching out to someone and seeing if they're right, especially if they're one of your mates, you know, it's so easy. As we said, everyone's got a camera in their pocket, but it's also a phone, you know? Yeah. So, that's a bit... 
it's so easy to just message your mates and and I know yeah say are you okay but you know you can always add a little bit more I mean I know the pubs are closed and stuff but you know can we let's go for a beer when they open or let's let's you know do whatever like jump on zoom and have a beer together you know it's it's so easy to do these days yeah it's just it's just like that the simple little things and it's just consistency as well can't yeah. be once every four weeks it's got to be a consistent and it has to seem genuine yeah definitely i think um, once you once you get that once you once you get over the hurdle of initiating that conversation it's really easy to uphold and i've yeah. noticed like since i started this podcast you know a lot of my friend a lot of my sort of friendship group came out and were like i had no idea that you suffered with this and they've all kind of said oh i've got this this and this and i like to think it's kind of brought us all a bit closer because now you know lockdown separated us an awful lot and then we're all also kind of getting to that age where everyone's kind of got you know girlfriends and people we're not all together like in greece every summer now you know everyone's yeah. doing one thing and stuff so it is harder to stay in contact but now you know like you know, like the, the boys has just been on Amazon Prime. I know you watch it as well, but like every week, like two or three of my mates, we've got our own individual conversations of like dissecting the latest episode and stuff. Yeah. And something, something like that, like I said, some sort of common ground is, is such a great way of just keeping a, a relationship going. So it's, yeah, that's why it's class that we're all involved with rugby because that is our common ground and yeah, that keeps us kind of connected and together and stuff like that. Um, but it, it is such, it is such a, a tight knit group of boys as well. Like, um, it was, it was um, so like what's the word I'm looking for here? It was, it, it kind of like it was so like reality shattering, you know, seeing um, everyone that's usually together in this happy place and they're in this bubble of rugby where everyone's just having a great time all the time because you're just with your pals, you're playing rugby, you don't have to worry about work and stuff like that. Yeah. Dealing with this and everyone just kind of being at their lowest point. Yeah. Um, but obviously being together helped massively with that. I bet, yeah, I bet. Because like, like the funeral, there was like just a complete, a complete seat. Obviously, there was loads of people there, but there was just a complete sea of green, um, and uh, green and red with the, the Highland colours. And it was just, uh, it was, it was nice to see uh, how much of an impact Lewis made on everyone at the club. Yeah. Um, to the point where they like just every single person, whether they'd had a couple conversations with him, or even you know we had under eighteen boys who'd never met him. Uh, come along um, and and attend the funeral just because he was such an out and out great person. Yeah, uh, and it was yeah, it was really nice to see that as well. Is um, that yeah? I mean, I guess and that as you said, like you know, it, that kind of shatters the reality as well because it's one of those things where you're like, that'll never happen to me, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. You know, oh, that, that'll never happen to me. It'll never happen to me. But then once it happens, I guess all all it does is bring you guys closer together. Mm-hmm. And it was a. Uh, Obviously, the end of last season, the, 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 we lost the end of last season um, to the virus, coronavirus. Um, so we've almost not even really had the chance to kind of honour him uh, properly yeah. in a way. We were going to have our end of season awards. I think we, uh, he's going to. There's going to be an award named after him there, um, it's, it would, uh, and stuff like that. And obviously, uh, playing for I just burped. <clears throat> Excuse me, and. Uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, it's it's he, he's not gonna he's not gonna be forgotten in any way, um, and we kind of have to just take his values that that he lived by and, and apply them to ourselves if we're gonna take anything from this. Yeah, you know, it it can't be uh, what we could have done to make the situation different. It's gonna be like how how are we gonna go forward and not let this happen again? And on top of that, what did Lewis teach us? Which is an awful lot. He taught us he taught us he taught us loads of things um, with his selflessness and his kindness. So how can we go day to day? 
while emulating that and honouring him by acting the same way as he acted when he was around. Yeah. Um, and it's something as well that we've all grown extremely comfortable to talk about. At first, it was quite difficult, but there's loads and loads of funny stories about Lewis. Absolutely, some absolutely cracking stories about him. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of nice that we've now gotten to the point where we can we can discuss um, discuss those as well. Um, yeah. Like that. So. Yeah, uh, I guess I mean you know time. Not nothing. Not there's no better healer than time, is there? Yeah. And I think as long as you as long as there's the whole, you know as long as you continue to like remember him and you know all, all that stuff, I think it, it's good that you guys eventually kind of get over that you get over the shock of it you never get over it but you get over the shock of it and you, yeah you, you do feel comfortable I guess talk, talking about it and and I think there, there, there's nothing better than that you know because you can if you can talk about something frankly it kind of it, it makes it smaller in a certain way and that's not that's not diminishing Lewis at all but it makes it makes what happened the, the stigma of what happened it, it makes that smaller if you guys can just yeah. talk about it if you can address it, then absolutely, yeah. It's just yeah. It's, it's healthy. It's healthy to address it head on. It wouldn't be healthy; it would be to tiptoe around the issue. Exactly. Um, yeah. If you guys, that's why, I'm, that's why I'm confident. You know, coming on this podcast and chatting to yourself about it. Um, initially, like I kind of did. A, I messaged a few boys, and I was like, "Do you think this is a good idea? You know, coming on and maybe talking about this, or um, do you think it's a bit insensitive to the family or friends, or whatever?" But I think it would be insensitive not to talk about it and address the issue. <laughs> Yeah, and talk about these sort of things, and how, and and you know, speak about how good of a guy he was, and speak about how we could potentially prevent this going forward. And um, you can't shy away from it at all because it's an issue that's it's ongoing in every facet of life, um, especially now more than ever with lockdown. Uh, yeah. Suicide rates, you know, going through the roof. And well, especially and, with especially with like young 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 men, you know, like yeah. our, our sort of our sort of age age bracket and stuff. Like it's it's more and more prevalent than ever. Um, yeah, yeah, like you said, especially with everything that's going on in the world, but. Um, so I, I saw you guys, you know, you, you done, you did like that sort of run thing for, for Mikey's line and stuff. Um, have you guys got, got anything else in the pipeline or is it, is, is everything just very much kind of on, on hold at the moment? Um, yeah, so we're kind of, we're kind of still up in arms at the moment. So we thought we, we were meant to be starting our games, uh, just now this, this right. weekend, I think, or was it, no, the end of October was supposed to be our first friendly, but SRU, the Scottish rugby union have said no games at amateur level until January at least. Right. Um, I don't understand what's maybe going to be different then than what's going to be different now. No. So I, I'm kind of, but we're basically all we're doing at the moment is as a club is everything's been put on hold and all we're doing is getting the boys down Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Saturday we play footy, um, we play some football, which is an absolute cracking laugh. Um, yeah. Again, even if you're not into rugby at all, Saturday football down at the club, obviously fucking just come down and play, get get your mind off things if you're having a shit time. Yeah. Um, and then Tuesday, Thursday we play rugby, we work on our structure and, and work on our skills and stuff like that. Um, but other than that, everything's kind of just on hold. Yeah. Um, but I think going forward, there will be a lot, like you said. I think it doesn't want to seem like it's over course correcting, but we'll we'll be doing a lot more for suicide prevention and stuff like that. I think going forward. Yeah. Um, no, I don't, it's not. I don't think it's course correcting at all. I think when when something when a when a tragedy like this rocks a club like that, of course you're going to steer into it and you're going to go right. Let's do, and and that's not. You know, that's not not to say you're ignoring every other issue out there, but that's yeah. the most prevalent one in in our personal. Yeah, it's personal, but also gives you drive for the cause. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you when you can when I hate to say it, but when you can kind of put a face to it, it completely changes the game, doesn't it? You yeah, know? absolutely. You know, um, it it makes a it makes a huge difference for sure. People are uh, people are gonna be able to play a drinking game off this podcast. They have to take a shot every time I say absolutely when you're in the middle of a fucking point. Oh, dude. Yeah. I said it like twenty times. Everyone, everyone's got a buzzword, mate. Everyone has a buzzword. 
I can't remember what mine was. Because obviously I, I taught a lot of windsurfing. So, you, you know, I regularly stand up for an hour in front of people and just tell them about stuff. And I can't remember. I, I, had, I had a couple. And as soon as you notice it, it's all oh, you it's think about. Game over. Glass yeah. shattered. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, mate. That's a good one. Um, cool. So, I mean, let's, you know, um, on, to, on to something, you know, perhaps, perhaps a bit more positive. Um, you lost a fucking shitload of weight during uh during lockdown yeah man um, yeah uh, uh, yeah so it's so uh yeah so instagram at you and sign for e-w-a-n-s-i-n-e-m-e for any uh ladies watching this if you want to go <laughs> and have a look um i am single by the way um, <laughs> and uh, yeah over lockdown i just kind of thought um the first few weeks of lockdown you know i i, I'd, uh, I was drinking pretty heavily a lot a lot of beers um, getting pissed up a lot of the time, and I, I just kind of thought, what what better opportunity now than to just kind of go for it with uh, with no work, yeah, no work and nothing else to worry about. Just getting money from furlough, so I, yeah, I just kind of went on this this uh, this mad crash diet that my friend helped me out with, and uh, what a difference it made uh, cutting out alcohol and and shit and eating and eating well for the the self esteem and the mental health just went through the roof. Um, I've kind of yeah. lost it a little bit now since the pubs opened up about opened up again, but. Um, it's it's mental what exercise will do to you to keep you sane. Um, I oh, almost yeah. enjoyed lockdown. Um, I, dude, I loved time. it. I loved it. Yeah, I had the best time. How how much weight did you lose altogether then? I, I yeah. Uh, so I put in the Instagram post it was uh, ten kg. Right. Um, but it was it was more than that. But I didn't want to say because I didn't want. Uh, I'm, I play second row, uh, and anything below like ninety kg in the second row is like not overly acceptable. Right. And at one point, I'd fallen down to 85 from 97. So it was about 12 kg when I was at my, my latest. Um, but that was like, that wasn't sustainable for me because I was like, you know, I wasn't eating, I wasn't really eating carbs. Um, I, was cra- I was in a crazy calorie deficit. And also I was exercising. I was running five times a week, like hard running five times a week. Yeah. Surely because I had nothing else to do. And I thought, let's just go all in. Um, but yeah, I said, you said, I fucking love lockdown, man. It was like being on summer holidays. Like, yeah, because I, well, I went back up to Scotland. I was with my mum for two months. So mm-hmm. I was like, dude, it was literally like being a kid again. Like, it was yeah. like, I plugged the Xbox in. I got back into that. Like, I'm, I'm self-employed now. So like, I lost like, I lost like 50, 60% of my work. So I only worked for like two or three hours a day. But it's kind of nice. I still had a bit of money coming in. But yeah, I was a bit stressful. Like, I put loads of time into the podcast. So I still, I felt like I had a purpose. But like I, you know, I, I started working out a lot because we weren't allowed to go in the sea. You weren't allowed to go windsurfing. So um, I just, I worked out, worked out a lot and played Xbox and watched a lot of Netflix, you yeah. know? Yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think that, that if it wasn't for, like you said, fucking Xbox and Call of Duty, I think I, I would have been in a lot of trouble because that kind of obviously gave us the so- socialising. Yeah, which is so people. weird. People, people don't look at it like that, but that there's such a social aspect to gaming now, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? Especially um, during all of this, like when you're well, say it's a bit different now. I don't, I don't know, I don't know what we're allowed to do or not allowed to do, and I don't know what people are listening to or are not listening to. I think it's a bit, but all over the place at the moment. But yeah, it was that one constant of just being able to switch on the Xbox and chat shit to your friends. And well, yeah, I mean, I was yeah, as I said to you, I was in Scotland. I mean, I'm in the south coast of England. The restrictions are very different here. But I was in Scotland two weeks ago when they first started making things more serious. And I said to Mum, I was like, I actually enjoyed being up here more during full lockdown. Yeah. We, we just knew we were like right we can't go out for food we can't do this we can't do that let's just you know let's put more time into like cooking food at home and we'll yeah you know we'll do this what you know hang out a bit more whereas 
when I was up for the week, like, you know, a couple of weeks ago and I saw my mum, we were like, oh, let's go out for food. And going out for food is a shit experience at the moment. It's fucking horrible. Oh, I hate it. It's, it's, I, I don't understand. Like, it's a shame. I, I feel bad for pub owners and small business owners because I went out for one pint and a meal three Fridays ago and I just said, not, not doing it again until, you know, things are back. And like you said, it's fucking horrible. It's, it's no not fine. Well, because my, my, best, my best friend up there, uh, he, he runs one of the restaurants in there and stuff. And he's like, shit they can't play any music they can't do this can't do that it's like it, there's no there's no vibe i don't enjoy it you you know you're not allowed to talk to anyone else you've got to put your mask on to go to the toilet which is five steps away you know it's mm. I, mean, I don't i don't want to talk about covid while we're this because it's all there yeah is. i agree yeah it's i i enjoyed lockdown more when i was like right i'm stuck at home how do i make being stuck at home fun you know yeah um, exactly. yeah and again it forces you to do things that you would never normally do exactly can't be lazy and not cook your own meals or else you're going to fucking have a microwave meal because you can't go out and get food. You've got to spend time with your family because you've got nothing else to do. Not that you wouldn't want otherwise, but it gives you the opportunity to do it. Yeah, and I find myself, you know, I started, because my my mum's disabled, so she's, you know, and and only getting worse as she gets older, so she doesn't enjoy cooking as much as she used to because she's got to kind of stand up and it hurts her back and stuff. So I was cooking quite a lot and I started, like, I started enjoying the process of cooking as well and I was like, this is... You know, it's quite fun creating something. You make it and it's epic meal and then you sit, you know. And I know that sounds like something so simple, but I think I think that's one thing that we we, all, we have all learned and hopefully it's something we'll take into life after yeah. this is like actually just trying to appreciate those simple things a bit more and trying to enjoy, like you said, like we said earlier, like living in the present, you know, like mm-hmm. enjoying the process of even if something as stupid as cooking a meal, you know, or, you know, something as, as boring and normal as cooking a meal. It's like actually yeah. it's pretty fun. You know? and it makes you appreciative of being able to see your friends, obviously not being able to see oh, them for months on end. I know, like that's so, like, I'm so excited for when they let us loose again. Like it's gonna oh, be it's gonna be I mean whenever it does happen, I don't know when it's gonna be, but man, it's gonna be messy. Like oh, it is. from I think it's just gonna be months of carnage. It's like, gonna be fun, mate. Oh, I'll have to I'll have to come up and watch a rugby game, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I you absolutely need to come down and uh, get a piss up. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think I think you'd fucking absolutely love it. I think the boys would absolutely fucking love you. I think I think you'd fit right in. Oh, it'd be a good laugh, mate. It'd be a good laugh. Um, so fin- finishing up then, I won't take up too much more of your time. Um, I know you are uh, you you enjoy you enjoy the movies, the TV shows. I mean, you know, you you like you like nerding out as much as me. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, what what have you been what have you been watching? What have you been into in the in the last few months? Oh Christ, a lot. I mean, like a lot. Did you see Tenet? Oh man, I hated it. I despised what? it. I despised it. I thought it was overly complex for the sake of being overly complex. And I kind of thought it, it, there was like, it was just a big bundle of confusing, but not to the same. I didn't mind Inception, didn't love it. You know, the other Christopher Nolan film. Yeah, yeah. But I think that was like confusion for purpose of the plot, whereas this was just confusion so it can make people feel intelligent. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I kind of agree with you. And I know like, they, I know that they deliberate like the sound editing was really bad. Do you find that you couldn't hear anything? Yeah, I I thought just like I I genuinely just thought it was a it was a, a horror. Like I went to see that. That was the first I love going to the cinema. Yeah, I know you do. That's um, why I wanted to chat to you. Yeah, yeah. You'll you'll know this as well. But like View Cinema in Inverness was the last cinema in the UK to go from ten pound to five pound um, entry because in the Central Belt in Aberdeen for years it was always five pound. Right. But it's a tenner here because they've got no competition and they knew that. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, they just kept it at ten pound, and then obviously they put it down to five pounds. So like now, I'll go and see films that I don't even want to see just for the experience of going to the so cinema. That's, you know, that's only view though. Like the cinema down here, we've got a cinema world down here, and it's still like twelve, thirteen quid. Is it? Yeah, yeah. It's only it's only view cinemas that have done that. No, well, that's I mean, I've kept myself lucky for that then. Because like, I, I, yeah, dude, like when I when I go up to Scotland every time, I've always made a point of going to the cinema. Like, yeah. like I went to see. Yeah, I went like when I was at home for Christmas. I went to see Rise of Skywalker twice up there, rather than seeing it down did here. You, did was, you like Rise of Skywalker? Right here we go. The first time I saw it, I absolutely loved it because it was just Star Wars for me. I watched it. I had no like. I hadn't read all the hate of it online because I went the first day it came out. So I went to see it, and I just like Lando showing up, all that shit. I watched it. I got go- I got the goosebumps. I got the goosebumps, and I was like, this is epic. And then you, kind of found out. you fanboyed out a wee bit. I fully fanboyed out, and I was like, so as a cinema experience, that first time it was unbelievable. Since then, I have noticed there are there are some significant flaws to it. However, as a general, just Star Wars movie, like I I still enjoy it. I know, and I've read like the original plan for that movie, like the Colin Trevorrow's plan, and it yeah, was, yeah. it's significantly better. Um, but I, I as as a movie, I went and saw it. And I got the same feeling that I got when I was eight years old going to see The Phantom Menace. So, see, now, I thought that the, the, the individually they're the most three individual films of a trilogy I've ever watched in my life. Yeah. They just feel yeah. completely disconnected. Oh, like, yeah, they are. They are. As a three. And I don't understand why they wouldn't just get the same director or a set plan for all three. Yeah. Um, I'm a bit of a of a wanker when it comes to movies, so I'm a, I'm pretty skeptical. Um, yeah, you I'm, are. You're like, you're a lot more skeptical than me. I've seen like yeah. your, your posts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm a pessimist, so I'm always kind of glass half empty guy. Especially I'm man, I love me some Star Wars. Fuck I know, do I love yeah, yeah. Star Wars. This but is what I want to talk to you about. I yeah. Hate the Disney trilogy. I fucking hate it. Like especially like the thing that annoyed me the most was so I don't know about you, but I don't like the prequels. I don't like the prequels at all. Right, episodes one, two, and three, but th- those were made by a crazy old white dude, right? Who has <laughs> who was kind of past it, but he was given complete creative control. And I was like, do you know what? At least George Lucas had a vision for those. Yeah, respect. He, he did. He did what he set. He did what he set out to do, didn't he? Yeah, and he what? And he, he they were connected, and he wrote a shared story for them. And then I look at this new trilogy that's had triple the amount of money put in. You know, they've had so much more time. They're, the professionals were paid to make these films. And I'm like, how did you fuck it up so bad? <laughs> like, there's, somebody's getting paid millions of pounds for this and you've yeah. managed to just make a complete, not terrible films. The casting's good. The special effects are spot on. The action's well well done. I like the score as well. But yeah. like, it's just a clusterfuck. Yeah. Like, nothing <laughs> makes sense. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like, the whole, like, the last, the last, like, 30 minutes of that film, like, I felt nauseous afterwards. I was just like, what? Like, it felt like the last 30 minutes of that film, had they spread some of that out throughout the trilogy, would have been good. Yeah. I like Ray being a Palpatine. I would like to see I, what I would have loved to have seen. I don't know if you agree with me here. It would have been cool to have seen Ray to start off the film, the first one where she did, and Kylo Ren to start off the first. I love Adam Driver's Kylo Ren. I think he's fucking class. He's the best bit about it. Without him. Absolutely. He, he, like, I would watch a super cut of just his parts of those films. Yeah, yeah. Like him, I love how he's he, just a pissed off teenager. He's, he's just saved, a pissed off teenager. Yeah. Like, he saved um, Mike the Skywalker for me. He was unbelievable. Yeah. He's, he's, he, and he puts, you can tell he's putting his all into it. But I digress. And I would love to have seen uh, Kylo and Ray switch in the second film. So Ray finds out she's a Palpatine, becomes evil, and then. Uh, ben finds out, like, you know, 
has remorse for what he did to his dad and becomes good. And yeah. then that also would kind of explain Ray kicking his ass in the first film with no training. It would make yeah. her more of a threat because Kylo's not a threat because in every film he's made, been made to look like a bitch. Yeah. So I would have liked to have seen, but nah, it was just a clusterfuck and Palpatine returning was cheap. I didn't like that. It was, it was, it was a bit cheap. I, I mean, the one side of it, I was like, yeah, I get it because he's, he's always been the string puller through every movie and I kind of get it. And it was kind of, it was kind of a nice bit of symmetry that, oh yeah, he's back, but I, it was cheap. What about, um, what about, what about Mandalorian? You can't dislike the Mandalorian. Mandalorian is one of the best things Star Wars has made since Empire <laughs> Strikes Back. I'm glad, I'm glad is, you said that. To me, to me, the Mandalorian is, is it's that Star Wars? Yeah, it's a small man. story. It's a small story set within its own world. It doesn't even need to address the Jedi because the Star Wars universe is bigger than that. Like it doesn't yeah. need to always be about Jedi. It's, it's a self-contained story. It's fucking. It's outstanding. I love it. I love. Um, only thing is, a little bit nervous about the second season, um, because it did so well the first season. I'm scared they're going to start throwing, you know, established at it. <laughs> Yeah, did you did you watch um do you watch did you watch the Clone Wars? Cartoon? Yeah, I loved it. Loved yeah, the Clone I love Wars. it too. So that's why I'm not too worried because I think they're gonna throw some characters from that into it, which kind of I I, I think dude I, I think John Favreau needs to be given the keys to the kingdom. I think he knows what he's doing. Yeah, well, Taika Waititi, the director of Thor: Love and Thunder, um, yeah. he's done some really good films back from New Zealand. What we do in the shadows. I don't know if you've seen that. I've not seen fantastic. That. What's the um? He's done that, and then he's um. I've seen Jojo Rabbit, which is brilliant, and then Jojo he... Rabbit's really good. He's also done the one with uh, Sam Neill. And... Yeah, World of People, Hunt for the World of yeah. People. Yeah, yeah. He's he. Um, you know, so the, there's the right the right people are behind it, I think. Yeah, he's he's yeah. So he's got a Star Wars film coming out, which I'm really looking forward to. He did an episode of The Mandalorian. Um, yeah, he did. He directed the last one, didn't he? Which was the best yeah, one. Yeah, which was oh mate, so good. So uh, yeah, like you said, I I prefer the Clone Wars to the prequels. So um, I'm really hopeful for this. Is I I, I but I'm like. I remember when streaming, people started saying to me, you know, series and, and streaming services are going to become the new norm. And eventually the only the really big blockbusters are going to go out in the cinema, like your Marvels, your DCs and some Star Wars stuff. And, I, you know, 10 years ago, I would have been like, no way. But now I'm like, fuck it. Just give me series. Like, that's all I want. Like, it's yeah. you sit and watch it. The comfort of you don't have to worry about sitting next to some fucking weird dude who's like a really messy eater and he stinks. And like, it's not you're in the comfort of your own home. And like it's just so much. It's just a better experience overall. Like just give me. Movies that, I, I, I think that is good, but like there are certain to me. There's a few things that I really want to see on the big screen. Like I do, I do love like the big screen experience. Like going to see, um, like you know, like the new James Bond. I'm intrigued to see that. Like uh, June, I'm super excited to see June. Um, but like that to me, that's the film. Like, I want to watch that in the cinema. You know. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, dude, it's it's hard. So I, yeah, so you're pretty excited for for Mandalorian then. Yeah, mate. To say to say the least, to say the least, it's going to be a bright spot of 2020 for a terrible year, sure, I think. For sure. Yeah, that and then I mean, we discussed it on Instagram. Like, fuck me, that new Batman film as well. I think. That, oh, was it uh, Matt Reeves directing that? The guy who did Planet of the Apes. Matt Reeves. I yeah. was out and out against that film. Like, Were I you? Didn't want it. Well, I love Ben Affleck as Batman. He's the best on-screen Batman we've had. He's just been in terrible vehicles, I think. Yeah. So he's been in like terrible movies, but I think he's fucking great. Like as Batman with the cowl on. Yeah. But then, and I love Robert Pattinson. I loved him in the lighthouse with Willem Dafoe. Um, yeah. He's done so well to turn his career around after Twilight. Like to do that, to be to come out of Twilight and to now be where he's at, fucking exceptional effort from him. He's good. Um, he's good in Tenet as well, isn't he? He is good in. Yeah. Tenet. He, he was the only part I liked. Yeah. He Neil. was fantastic, and uh, 
and uh, the only part of the film that I had any engagement with was at the end. Oh, I won't spoil it. Um, yeah, oh no, that, that's so good at the end when you're going yeah. to get on the helicopter. The only part of the film I enjoyed, I was like, oh, no way. Yeah. Like, maybe, maybe <laughs> the only part of the film that made me feel anything. Yeah. Um, but when I, that trailer dropped and I was like, I'm in, 100% bought yeah. in. Like, oh, man. I'm, I'm must all have, for Battinson. I must have watched it 10 times. I, I might watch it. I literally might watch it when this is over. I think I'm going to now. I'm going to watch it when this is over. Yeah, um, yeah I saw, I've seen they've started filming. Of all places, they've started filming in Liverpool. Like yeah, Glasgow too. They filmed in Glasgow. Yeah, that's epic, man. That's so cool. I think um, I think it's funny how when people said Batman, Robert Pattinson's not going to be a tough Batman. Like he's not going. He's not got the presence to play him. And I think it's fantastic that they've definitely put this in on purpose. The last thirty seconds, sure, just him wailing on someone and literally just oh, like mate. kicking the crap out of them. Yeah, just ending him, absolutely yeah. destroying. Like he's, he just—he literally didn't even—they didn't even throw the first punch. He just—he just annihilates them. Yeah. Oh, dude. It, it, like, there's all this stuff about he—he's not been getting fit for it. He's not been bulking up. Like, I don't—I don't believe that for a second. He looks—he looks big. He looks yeah, big. he's under that under that coat, mate. He has been—he's yeah. been lifting some tin, mate. He's been, yeah, he's been shifted. And I'm not in the position to be judging the man if he's looking like that. Like, go, I'm all for it. Really, really for it. Yeah, me too. I—I've got a lot of time for him. I think he's a—I think he's a legend, mate. I think he's a legend. Yeah. Nice. Well, mate, it's good to—good to chat some. Uh, I hate, I hate when people call that nerd talk because it's not nerd talk because everyone loves the fucking MC. Yeah, it's, in, it's, in our, it's, it's in the mainstream now. It's in the it, mainstream mate, now. Yeah. You're, a, you're a nerd not to enjoy it. Exactly, mate. Yeah, it's, it's weird if you don't talk about this stuff. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, yeah, let's, let's, let's finish it up there. Um, I mean, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Like, you know, it's a, it's a big thing to talk about this stuff with your mates, let alone um, on, a, on, a, on a platform like this. I'm not saying I'm Joe Rogan getting millions of views, but... I'm sure there'll be, um, you know, quite a few people will be interested to listen to this. So, it's um, it's it's epic to have you have you on, mate. It's just it's good to talk. Yeah, definitely, mate. That was class. Uh, you, you definitely put me at ease there right at the start. And uh, no, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. It was class. That's no, good. Well, guys, thank you very much for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you did enjoy it, you can, you know, you can do all the usual shit. Give me five stars on Apple Podcasts if that's where you go. Who uses Apple Podcasts though? Um, Spotify, you can follow me, subscribe, like, share. I'm on Instagram at the After Hours Lounge, um, and then you can find you and at you and Sime if all those ladies want to go. He is single, remember? Um, and yeah, although, if you're curious, yeah, I'd imagine they'll they'll take one look at the page and see how fucking weird I am in general, and just yeah, mate, he's lost a lot of weight. He's looking good, ladies. But yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, guys, thank you for uh, thank you for being on, and we will see you for the next one. <laughs>